and welcome to this second episode in the Inspire 2020 Visionary Leadership Series. I'm delighted today to be joined by none other than Ted Rubin. Hi, Ted. Hi, how are you, Simon? I'm so happy to be here and so happy that uh, Sam introduced us. Absolutely. Samantha Kelly is doing a great job of connecting people. And uh, I just want to give you a bit of a, uh, give the audience a bit of an overview of you. So you're the CMO of Fortify, top influencer, including Forbes and various other places in social media marketing, content marketing, customer experience. I'm really fascinated by the fact that you, you, you created a book and a concept called Return on Relationship, right? And you're a speaker, board member, and you also say, you're a provocateur, right? Maybe let's start with provocateur. Uh, so what does that mean? Well, first of all, I'm glad you noticed that because <laughs> very often people overlook it. And, you know, I kind of embraced that. Someone said that to me one day, like, you know, you should make it clear to people because sometimes people will see that I wear be good to people all the time. Yeah. And then they'll see me being provocative and they'll go, well, that's not being good to people. And, you know, I, sometimes I have to explain that being good to people isn't always about being nice to people. Yeah. It, isn't, it isn't always about giving them the answer they want. It isn't always about being kind or being loving. Being good to people to me means a lot more than just being loving or kind. It means standing up for the people that need standing up for. It means speaking out when you think something's unjust, there's injustice in the world. It yeah. means Clearly, I mean, during COVID, I have to look at people and say, please keep your distance. Yeah. And I have, I literally, I have a dock outside my, my apartment and I sit out there and I've had to put up cones and a sign saying, please keep your distance, COVID-19. And I have a big smiley face next to it. Of course, yeah. the only person that noticed the smiley face was the little seven-year-old girl that went by and go, mommy, look, there's a smiley face next to that. Yeah, yeah. Because I think adults kind of ignore that kind of thing. But to me, someone came out to me and said, well, that's not being good to people telling them to keep their distance. And I said, well, actually it is. Yeah. It's for their safety. It's for my safety. So, uh, absolutely. you know, a, a lot of that to me has to do with those, with those things and what people have to really think about. You're so right. You know, 12-step programs talk about the three tenets of willingness, open-mindedness, and honesty, but above all else, honesty. And I think that's what you're talking about. Honesty doesn't just mean namby-pamby honesty. Sometimes it can mean brutal honesty. Yes. And, and again, I'm not saying being, being nasty is okay. Yeah. And I will not – look, I try very hard to always be professional, to not get angry or nasty, but I'm human. Yep. And sometimes I do. But yep. again, when I'm doing it, I'm not doing it from a from ill will yep. or from a bad place. The odds are it's coming from a be good to people base. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe that you're doing this and we need to change it. And yep. like you said, you know, uh, what sometimes people don't realize is they've known me for years. I've had a blog since 2009 and the URL is Yep. But the, but the blog has a name. It's called Straight Talk. Yeah. And I've also built a reputation in the marketing world that I speak my mind, even if people don't want to hear it. I emceed events for a yeah. company called Brand Innovators for six years. I did about 50 events a year. Yeah. And I would be on stage and I would call out the CMO of McDonald's as he's coming on stage to yeah. say, when are you guys going to start creating a better product that doesn't hurt yeah. people? 
I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm not afraid to say those things or to call out somebody on stage who says something like bread will never be bought digitally. And I'm like, what are you kidding? Have you ever heard of like Amazon? Like, how could you say that? So, yeah. you know, again, for me, being good to people is saying it straight is yes, doing it in a loving manner, doing it as best you can to be professional and as yeah. friendly as you can. But it doesn't always mean being kind and loving. I think that's perfectly put. I, 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 amongst many things, I represent a, a UK company called Brand Finance, who put valuations on corporate brands uh, here in Ireland. I represent them, and we talk to companies, and particularly now during this period, you know, companies. And this is a this continuation of this honest, ruthlessly honest conversation we just had. You know, CMOs and CFOs need to look at three things. They need to look at cost reductions and efficiencies, and they can't be dishonest about that. They need to do that, and sometimes that means having to lay off staff, it means to call in credit lines. At the, lines. At the same time, they need to manage their communications and, corporate, uh, and, and campaigns effectively, but honestly and authentically. And then thirdly, they still need to have an eye to the future. So managing all those three things can mean some real difficult conversation between a CMO and a CFO. And that, I suppose that brings me on to this concept of return on relationship, right? So what, what, what do you mean by that and how did that come about? Well, before I say that, I want to throw something into what you just said. So yeah. I'm going to be brutally honest. I think you need to add a fourth corner to that triangle and make it a square. Okay. And I think that, that that CEFO and that CEO also has to think about their employees yeah. and about their consumers yeah. and think about them beyond the dollar. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just think that, especially today, like I think that has become more and more important. Yeah. And especially in this, you know, current COVID-19 world yep. and it, what hopefully will become one day, fingers crossed, um, the post-COVID-19 world, or at yeah. least the next stage where we have this more in the control. Now, now to your question, you know, so a lot of times people ask me, you know, can you put a basic description about around return on relationship or ROR or, or the hashtag I use, and that's a whole nother story, but it's R-O-N-R, R on R for return on relationship. Yeah, yeah. But, Simply put, it's the value that's accrued by a person or a brand due to nurturing a relationship. ROI, yeah. which you know is incredibly important, but it's simply dollars and cents. Whereas ROR is the value, both perceived and real, that will accrue over time through connection, yeah. trust, loyalty, recommendations, and sharing. And I try very hard to get people and companies to use it to define and educate companies, brands, and people about the importance of creating authentic connection, interaction, and engagement. Just like we are here, where yeah. instead of you having preset questions yep. and me answering them, we're having a conversation exactly. and we're going to see where it takes us. Absolutely. And it's funny you mentioned you mentioned two of the three words. I, I do a lot of training over here with the, the government and Skillnet and small medium enterprise organization and various universities around deals and negotiations and stuff. And and, and I often use three words and you've you mentioned two of them, authenticity, trust, and the other one is credibility. But I think credibility is what you were talking about as well. So it's 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 amazing. You know, it's just oh, I I like to tell people that a brand is what a business or a person does. Yeah. A reputation is what people remember and share. Absolutely. And a reputation goes to credibility. I yeah. mean, it goes to trust. It goes yeah. to saying what you think. It's about standing up for what, what's important to you. Yeah. And again, 
please don't get me wrong. And I think this is an important thing to say. That doesn't mean that you always speak up. Of course, there are times where either personally you can't or business-wise you can't or a combination of the two or yeah. just because there's somebody speaking their mind and it's not the, the time or place to say that you disagree with them. But of course, there are. So, you, you know, you have to take all that together. I, I like to say that attitude and perspective lead to mindset. And when you yeah. create that mindset, then yeah. you set up a, a kind of like a, a set of rules for yourself of yeah. when, when, it, when and when it's not appropriate to jump in. That's perfect. We were just talking before we, we pressed uh, record about uh, whether we should be optimistic or pragmatic in this conversation. And you were saying pragmatic is pragmatism is reality, you know, and um, in terms of in terms of what you're seeing businesses do or leaders do online on social media, what 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 good things are you seeing right now in terms of underpinning people's reputations? Are there any particular trends or habits, and what negative things are you seeing? And and have those things changed over the last eleven years? Okay, so I'm going to show a little bit of my political um, sway here. <laughs> Hope that's okay. Just because a lot of what we're seeing is coming in the political arena right now. Yeah, so yeah. If you're asking for current examples. You know, I, I don't know over in Ireland if you guys are watching what's going on over here. Yeah. Um, but but um, Mayor um, Cuomo yeah. has been doing. Andrew Cuomo has been doing a tremendous job yeah. of showing empathy about sharing information about showing both sides of the situation, having conversations like, yes, he's up there speaking by himself, yeah. but in essence, he's having a conversation with the public. He's yeah. making them, it, it, it reminds me, and not that I was around then, of course, but it's like Theodore, I, I'm Franklin Roosevelt during World War II, where he brought basically people into his living room, yeah. like to make them feel, and, and I forget who it was, but there was also a, um, I think it was someone in the royal family in the UK, they yeah. did something similar during yeah. during the war yeah. um, and, and stepped up to make people feel like they're a part of it. Whereas yeah. you have the other side of this Donald Trump yeah. who's up there, you know, telling falsehoods, leading people down a primrose path, creating mm -hmm. optimism that, yes, optimism is a great thing, but creating unwarranted optimism that can never be met and then keep moving the line back and making it look like we're reaching those goals. And I think these are really two very distinctive, important points to push out. And I think it goes to leaders of companies that, mm -hmm. it, you know, a leader of a company steps up and speaks to his, his, his especially his employees, okay, yeah. and says, listen, we're headed for tough times and we've got to buckle down and figure it out. And back to your four points, there are decisions we're going to have to make. There might be people we have to let go, but we are going to do it in the best way we can yeah. with you at the forefront. And I, I think that's what we're learning here in, yeah. in a very big way. That's, again, that's spot on. You know, I, I've, I've been doing a few podcasts and webinars on, on um, resilient, mindful leadership in challenging times, right? Yeah. And and exactly, I've been saying exactly the same thing. That and I've experienced. I've I've worked. You know, I've been fortunate to work under some amazing leaders. I've worked for Michael Dell at Dell and and other senior leaders. And and um, leaders, particularly in these times, need to state that the communication needs to be exactly what you said. You don't, as Michael Dell said, don't perfume the pig. If it's bad news. People, human beings fill that uh, that vacuum. They fill a, a credibility vacuum. So they start whispering amongst themselves that this leader's lying to us. Like it's common sense. You'd think all, all leaders would know that, right? And if you're not telling the truth, people know it. People feel it. Is that, is that what, would you agree with that? People can just, just innately feel when leaders are not telling the truth. 
You know, a, a great friend of mine, Ben Lichtenleiter, wrote a post about leadership. Yeah. And he said that people have to follow someone for them to be a leader. Yeah. It's not, it's not simply in a title. The title of manager is very legitimate. Yeah. You manage things. But in yeah. order to lead, you need to get people who want to follow yeah. and truly follow. That doesn't mean do it because they must. Yeah. And, you know, you said something that really hit home for me. You said resilient leadership. Am I correct? Did I get that correct? Resilient and mindful leadership, but mainly right. resilient. No, and I like them both. Actually, together, they're better. Because yeah. if you look at Andrew Cuomo, this is not something he's always done. He. This is not like like... I'm jumping around a little bit here because my mind is working on this. This is not what we prepared for. It's a conversation we're having. Yeah. That's why I love these things because new me things too, come Me out too, me too. But Donald Trump, it, it, the worst thing about what he's doing is that he's just doing what he always does. He yeah. hasn't been resilient or mindful at all. He yeah. could be the same person with yeah. the same beliefs yeah. And with the same end goals, but he could change the way he presents this. But no, this is back to his, his, his TV career and his real estate career. And then what he did to get elected and what he's done now in office. All he did was take his rallies and yeah. bring them online in a daily press conference. Whereas Andrew Cuomo is a guy that totally evolved what he was doing yeah. in a resilient and mindful way. I, I love yeah. that. I'm still in that, by the way. That's <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. Right here. Everybody can know you're going to see this come out of me, especially when I start watching this video again. It's but, yours. It's yours. You know, and it's what, it's what true good leaders do at companies or in other places. I mean, recently I was just on a call and I didn't see his presentation, but apparently the CEO of Uber was speaking. And, you know, they're going through some tough times. And, and, yeah. and I'm, of course, their stock is up because, this, because I call the stock market bizarro world. Um, you know, everything's worse than it's ever been. And the yeah. stock market goes up. But he was talking to the world and to his people. Yeah. explaining the changes that are happening, the people that have to be let go, the losses that are being incurred. Yeah. And I just think that that whole concept of resilient and mindful leadership, especially in times of stress and times of crisis, is so, is so incredibly important. Uh, absolutely. And just, just building on that, you, you mentioned the area of trust. And again, I, I talk and write about this. I, I did an article for Irish Tech News this week on the importance of trust and collaboration within organizations. And we, we all, we, we kind of all feel, I mean, I, I've lived in five different countries and I've, I've worked many places and 99.9% .9 of people on planet earth want the same thing. We want to love and be loved, right? We're not, we're not, we talk about stereotypes, but we're human beings, right? So, you, but, so most of us feel when, feel when we don't trust something. It's easy to feel when we don't trust, but it's very hard to articulate what trust is, right? Um, so just moving this discussion into the online world, because this is a world that's new to me, right? I've been very lucky. I've been, I had a corporate career, coaching, consulting, but I've only now started going into the online world. I'm, I'm about two decades behind you, Ted. And, and Samantha Kelly made a good point to me recently in that um, you can, in some respects, it's probably, it, it can be easier to form trust, and I'd be interested whether you agree with this, form trust online than face-to-face. Than -face. Is there anything in that, or does that depend on how you're communicating online? I think it's both, but yeah. I, I think the, the beauty of online, uh, and I'm not talking about this, here, yeah. because this yeah. is, to me, is emulating face-to-face. -face. It is. 
So I can't hide from you. If I want to roll my eyes, you're going to see it. And so is the audience. Yeah. But what, what the advantage you have when you're doing things digitally is that you can think before you click. Um, you know, I'm, I'm face to face with you. and We're having either an argument or a discussion and, and categorize it any way you like. But you're going to say something and it's going to be very rare for me to sit there and look at you for three yeah. minutes. Yeah. shaking my head, thinking about it before I come back with a response. Yeah. The odds are I'm going to blurt it out. Yep. And even if I do think about it, it's a very uncomfortable situation if you're face-to-face -face to let time go by. Yeah. But I'll tell you that the, the more skilled people digitally have learned to take a step back before yeah. they click send, especially yeah. if they're in a heated or intellectual discussion, yeah. unless it's something they've already formulated their ideas on where they're just reiterating what they're thinking. So, yeah. it, the, the, so think about it this way. You know, you're going back and forth and it can be on a Facebook post, it can be on a LinkedIn post, it can be in Twitter. But what I'll always do, first of all, is I relook at what I wrote to, first of all, to make sure that I'm saying what I want to say, because sometimes yeah. It comes out wrong. Yeah. Then sometimes I'll also look at it and go, hmm, do I really want to say that? Like, what, how is it going to affect the conversation? I, I like to say that against uh, differing from popular opinion, I think baby boomers are better at social media than millennials or younger. And yeah. I'm going to tell you why. And actually, millennials are getting there because they're, they're getting up in age. It's an age thing. It's a, it's a maturity and it's a it's a experience thing. So yeah. I don't mean in general. Like yes, younger people are digital natives. They adapt to these platforms much quicker than we do at our age. Yep. But what we have is relationship building experience. Yeah, what yeah. we have is conversation moderation experience. What we have is um, um, conflict resolution experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and when you think about this. I can, I can be online, I can be in a room face to face, or I can be online and I can pump the situation up and make it more crazy. Yeah. Or I can very quickly take it down a notch because of experience, not because I'm smarter, not right. because I'm older. Only reason it's because I'm older is because with age comes experience. Yeah. So, and again, I'm generalizing because sure there are plenty of people that are boomers that have not learned their lessons over the years, <laughs> but, but the same goes for younger people. But for the most part, what's be the beauty of digital is that skill in person is a lot more at the moment. Like if I'm in a room and I want to take, I see there's a conflict happening and yeah. I want to try to mellow it out. I've got to think like that about what I'm going to say, what I'm going to do. And then I also have to think about my facial expressions, my my body language. Yeah, your hands, what you're doing with everything. I might say to someone, hey, let's take this down a notch. And they might see my shoulders like like this and they might think that's not what I mean. But yeah. digitally, it's I have the advantage of being able to think about this. What can I say that will bring this down? What, what, yeah. what I, I do it a lot in my conversations. When I see them getting out of hand with an adversary, especially yeah. in the political arena, I'll write back and I'll put up, I'll do the emoji with the hand signs or, yeah. you know, I'll give a thumbs up or I'll throw a smile in at the end of a reprimand. Yeah. Just like I did at the smiley face on my COVID poster yeah. to show that I'm not doing this with animosity. Yeah. I'm just trying to make a point. Make a point. I, I, no, that's a, that's a great point. And in, ter in terms of, in terms of corporates, right? So it, move away a little bit from leaders and people, but in, ter in terms of companies, um, well, back back to the so the leaders of companies need to right now need to create a delicate bridge between what 
the difficult times now, what they're dealing with, but also the fact that hopefully they'll exist post-crisis, post hopefully, you know? So that they need to provide a bridge, right? Um, how, you hear people talk about, you know, you need to be consistent in your message. We're talking about corporate brands here and how leaders within organizations manage those brands to, to bridge to the future. You need to be consistent. You need to have focus. You need to tell, tell a story. Um, you need to leave a legacy. Do you agree with all that or is that old school stuff or is it, is it overcomplicating things? Or how would you respond to, how would you advise businesses who are looking at managing a de delicate brand today and making sure it exists in the future? I think it goes right back to what you spoke about earlier about resiliency and, and mindfulness. Yeah. Um, again, you can't just put in step one through five, and this no, is you how can't. you build a brand. Um, a, a great friend of mine, David Breyer, um, talks about building brands, and it's we've had conversations like this a lot. It, it's different for every brand. Yeah. If you try to follow, if you try to follow a, a basic formulaic formula formulaic method, yeah, I think you're going to lose for the most part. Now, yeah. I think there's a big difference between smaller personal brands or or smaller business brands. You have your company, you have five employees, or you have yep. a store. Maybe you're the only employee versus yeah. a big company because um, when you're a small business owner or a medium-sized business owner, you have much more minute-to-minute -minute control. Yep. You can pull your entire workforce together like that. Mm. At Photify, we have 10 people. So we can get all 10 people on a phone call almost immediately for most yeah. of the, so there's a crucial message or something that we have to get across. Whereas in a big company, a lot more has to do with the branding and the messaging because yeah. people are seeing that in different places. So I don't think there's any strict method. And I think like, I don't have I all the answers. I probably have very few of the answers right now with what's yeah. happening. I mean, I hate to use this word because it's been used so many times, but it is unprecedented what is happening right now. And mm -hmm. it, it's even hard to compare to other crises in the world because again, it's so different that I don't really have the answers, but I think it goes again towards being resilient, changing your message, using yeah. one, seeing it doesn't work and realizing maybe I didn't do that correctly. Being a leader that looks at the results of the latest talk or the latest message he shared yeah. to see, did it affect the change I wanted it to do? Did people yeah. accept it the right way? Being willing to listen and hear people. I mean, to me, the best leaders get down in the trenches. They yeah. speak to employees. They they talk to, and by the way, I think this goes for like, and again, I've never been a military person, so I am speaking out of complete ignorance, but I've read some books and I've seen a lot of things. And yeah. usually, again, the best leaders are the ones that speak to the rank and file so that they understand where they're coming from. Because yeah. what happens is we were probably the rank and file at one time, but we tend to forget what it feels like. Look, I tell this to marketers all the time in a different yeah. perspective. Yeah, yeah. Think like a consumer. I don't mean don't come up with ideas like a marketer, but when you come up with an idea, look at it as if you're the person buying that service and say, would I want to buy this? I, I, I urge marketers all the time. You've got to be on your own email marketing list because you're not seeing that you're banging me over the head every day and I'm pissed. Or you need to watch, like literally sit in your living room and watch your commercials, imagining that you're out of work, that your unemployment is ending and you're watching a commercial trying to sell you a new car, telling you, you that you'll give you 90 days. Are you giving me 90 days free? Yeah. Or are you telling me I'm going to have to pay that 90 days when it's up? And I just feel that, enough, that not enough leaders in all these respects really put themselves in the seat of the person hearing their message. That is so powerful, you know. <laughs> and uh, I, I think you're completely right. I mean, right now, 
we're going through, I call this a circuit breaker. I mean, this must be the first time that all 7 billion people on planet Earth won't remember. We won't forget this event. Nobody on this world will forget what's happening. No, and- I, I haven't thought about that, you know, because we all think about things. I mean, we're from different places. So yeah. I think of the morning that Kennedy was shot. Yeah. You know, I think the day the World Trade Center came yeah, down. Yeah. Um, although I wasn't alive then, the, the day of Pearl Harbor lives in my yeah. mind. But I don't think there's one thing that like, like Everybody. the whole world will remember that day. Absolutely. So this is profound, and I think you're right. There'll always be, there'll always be people who just keep piling along, and they won't change, and they won't become better at relationships. But I, I, and I'm a pragmatist like you, but I tend to be more of an optim. I'm an optimist pragmatist, right? I, I really hope that more people than less see this as a way to move forward a little bit more, less arrogantly and less egotistically. And you know, and the other thing then is. The, what, what could come out of this? So, you know, out of World War II and out of the space race, you had huge innovation, right? And again, I'm an optimist. I'd like to think that companies like yours and other tech companies, I'd like to think there'll be another stream of innovation coming out of this. But what do you, I see you're shaking your head a bit. What do you think about that? I think what we're going to have is more of acceleration. Acceleration. Innovation. Yeah. I think innovation, I'm not saying there's not going to be innovation. Of course there yeah. will be. Acceleration. And, but I believe it, most of the innovation will come from the acceleration of things we were resisting. Um, yeah. I think that remote work is going to become a regular thing. Companies exactly. were resisting it, thinking people wouldn't be efficient. But guess what they're finding out? And in many cases, people are more efficient, that they're happier with their work. They might not be happy. They can't get out of their house. Yeah. But they're, 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 I tell you right now at Photify, we are not going to renew, renew the lease on our office. We found out that our team is not only more efficient, but we've gotten closer. Because we, you know, you can't have, like, if you have a team meeting every morning in your office between people that can't make it or can't be there or people yeah. get annoyed, but we have a call every morning and we share and we have a little fun with it and yeah, people yeah. tell things about, about their life, but then we dig into business. And now more than ever, we're more on the same page. So I think you're going to see an acceleration of adaptation. So That's I great. think like I will not, I'm telling you right now. A grocery store is a thing of the past for me. I get my groceries delivered now. And yeah. I resisted it because I thought, oh, I don't know if I'll get what I want. I might not have the same discovery. I have more discovery. Amazon yeah. shows me more products than I ever saw in the store that yeah. are getting delivered. I am never going into a grocery store again unless it's a last minute. I have to get something right now. Yeah, so yeah. I think, and, and you're seeing that at Walmart. You're seeing it with Target. You're seeing it with Whole, Fo- you're seeing it with Whole Foods and Amazon. Yeah. They're converting people they weren't able to convert for years at walmart was trying for years to move people out of the store to deliver or to pick up these things are accelerating now the use of zoom is accelerating now food getting delivered accelerating now sitting around the table with your family again absolutely absolutely yeah so some of it i think is going to bring us back to practices that were important. Kids are finding out that they actually don't have such a shitty time with their parents. It's funny yeah. to say this. You know, I, I, I keep posting my wife. I have a wife and two daughters. They're 20, 21. And the first thing to say is I didn't realize my daughters bought so many things off Amazon. We've had about six delivery men. And the other thing in the last two days, the other thing is my wife's buying these 1,500 piece jigsaws. And I hadn't seen jigsaws since the 1970s, you know, so. I do them all the time. <laughs> so just bringing this to an end, Ted, so if you had any final key messages for managing brands online, whether it's your own brand, let's talk about 
your own brand, right? Any key messages for managing your own brand online during these times, given the sensitivities and the authenticity that's required? Any key messages for people? I'm going to, for me, it's the same message, whether it's for your personal brand or for your company, take advantage of this time. Um, Reach out to people, touch base with people. Yes, look, I understand that there are a lot of people, especially in in the corporate and executive world, who are still working and and putting in full days, but they have so much more time on their hands. You're not commuting anymore. You're not having those little conversations by the water cooler that might have been innocuous and really unimportant. You're not having to go through the effort of going to the corporate dining room. You got your kitchen right next to you. I would say take advantage of that time to build relationships. Take advantage of that time to touch base with people you didn't always have time to touch base with. Take advantage of that time to offer your services. Like a a big part of what I'm doing is I am doing these Zooms with people. Um, They're great for me. They're great for them. I come up with new ideas. I get great content. But I'm also lending myself to people that say, hey, I need some advice. Yeah. I, I need some, some, some help with something. Do you have a little time to talk to me? And I'm finding that time. And here's another big difference. And again, it's different for me. I don't have two kids at home or two young kids at home. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people with young children, there's a lot of stress and a lot of things that have to happen. But if you have that, it, other than that, you know, it used to be, I had to wait, worry about getting up for work and making myself presentable. That takes time. I travel. I had to make my schedule. I had to pack my bag. Well, that extra time, I can take a call now at 10 o'clock at night because I don't have to worry about going to bed too late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can get up when I want tomorrow for the most yeah. part. I mean, yes, I have a 930 call with my team, but I normally get up, let's say at 7 or 730. I can sleep an extra hour if I was up you know, talking to Simon until 2 in the morning about something. So look, reach out. Help your community. Think of things you can do. Look, I won't get takeout because I think it's like getting a COVID delivery, <laughs> but that's my obsessiveness. Yeah. I'm cooking, but I am buying other people meals. I have friends that I know are short of money, but they're home. So how do I can I can kill two birds with one stone. I buy a, a, a gift certificate from a local restaurant. I send it to a local friend that might not be able to get out or is feeling depressed or something yeah. like that. You know, try to help your elderly neighbors if you can. Look, some of them are resistant. They don't believe in this. They don't care. Yeah. Back off from that. But the ones that do, if you can, help them, shop for them. Think about what you can do for the business community. And also do this for your brand. Call up your current customers. Call up your new customers. Call up people. And by the way, don't try to sell them something. Hey, here's a classic line I like to use. I learned it from my business partner, John Andrews. Hey, how you doing? Is there anything I can do to support you today? Yeah, yeah. That's what I can support you today. Don't be afraid to ask. You know, a lot of people are afraid to ask that question because they think they're going to be given things. People aren't going to say, send me a million dollars. You know, they're not going to say, write me a check. They're going to say, oh my God, thank you for thinking of me. And then every once in a while, someone will say, maybe you can introduce me to Simon, or maybe you can help me out with this letter I'm trying to write, or I'm looking for a job. Maybe you can keep your eyes open for me. So yeah. to me, that's the big opportunity here. That, that's this is this is actually one of my favorite all-time chats, by the way, Ted. You know, and I don't mind saying this. And you know, that there's a hotel in India. You can Google this, and it's where rich, um, elderly Indian people go, and they, they basically it's a, it's like a hospice. They die there eventually. And there was a questionnaire. You can Google this, and they were asked. A number of them were asked if they lived their life again. What what were their biggest regrets? And you know, the thing that came out top, and it sent shivers down my spine. Most people said, I'd wish I'd asked for help more in life. And that's people who are dying, right? So everybody, there isn't a single human being on the planet 
maybe even Donald Trump, right, who doesn't at times question themselves and doesn't need help. And, and yet I think so many people just think leaders don't need help. We all need help. So this has been really wonderful. And, and then just to close, you mentioned uh, I do a lot of work around sales training and deal-making training. We, we have to move away from the old salesy stuff, and it's all about providing value. And if you can't provide value, then you need, then you need to be strong enough and, and ballsy enough to say, I know somebody else who can. Because, and I do that, and I collaborate a lot. And people say to me, why do you collaborate so much? You're losing 50% of your profits. But, and I, I just had this conversation earlier today. I'm finding that more is coming back because I'm doing that. It takes guts and confidence and compassion and courage and calm. But you've summed it up as well. So, yeah. just, just to finish on the point you were just making, you know, I like to say when you do for others without expectation of anything directly in return, yeah, you get it in, in return. You do you do? You build a bank. You, you do. Know, and, and and people again back to that reputation comment. People know what your reputation is. So there's two just last things. There are things I say all the time. I want to leave your 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 group with or your listeners here with, is that number one, relationships are like muscle tissue. The more you engage them, the stronger and more valuable they become. So yeah. use this time to enhance and build those relationships. And then the second thing I want to tell you, which to me wraps around that, is that a network gives you reach but a community gives you power. Yeah. I used to think I was strictly a networker. What I learned that, yes, I'm a networker, but that I'm a community builder. I, I, I bring people together in different places. I, I unite people. All my friends know each other. And the reason for that is that networks connect, but communities care. And yeah. I'd like to be on that note. That's perfect. Thanks very much, Ted. I really loved that chat and uh, and I take care and and enjoy. I, I saw you do a post a video last night. I think you were sitting outside your place and you were, you were drinking a glass of something and you were telling people to be good. So continue doing that, please. My pleasure, Simon. I really enjoyed this. Look forward to the next time. Thanks a lot.